Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. We're focused on everything on men's health, looking at your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual well-being. Here to take care of that and make sure you keep on going. What's going on, guys? It's Patrick and Joe here for an episode of Men's Health Unscripted. Uh, we have a good friend of the show, Dan, on. Uh, he wanted to, he's the, one of the co-hosts of the S&D podcast in New York. Um, and he wanted to come out onto the podcast to talk about a pretty significant life-altering event. Some of you might be wondering, what's it like to receive a cancer diagnosis, to be the person receiving it, the family member, the caregiver? Um, and Dan's here to kind of tell his story. And Joe, obviously, is a testicular cancer survivor. He's been on the podcast quite a few times. But Dan, thank you so much for coming on, talking to us, and you know, helping out our viewers understand like what this diagnosis is like and, and what really happens to your mental health. I know we've kind of talked a little bit off camera. Um, what mm -hmm. happens to your mental health? So thanks again, Dan. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. No, no problem. Uh, obviously, you just mentioned my name is Dan. Um, I'm 35 years old. I'm obviously born and raised in New York. Uh, and coming up in a couple of weeks is my sixth year anniversary of uh, being clean from uh, lymphoma. I had a, a rare, uh, uh, such a hard thing to say, like what style of lymphoma. It was just a aggressive lymphoma with stage four. Um, thankfully, with uh, the love and support of everybody and obviously myself and the doctors uh, pulling through. But yeah, um, thank you for having me. Uh, it's crazy. It feels surreal being six years cancer free and being able to talk to it, talk to you guys about it, especially you, Patrick, first time meeting you and then a lifelong friend in Joe. So I'm ready to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. I'm an open book for the most part. And uh, let's get it rocking. Awesome. Well, you know, Joe, first of all, thank you so much for getting Dan on the show, just because, you know, um, Dan, I know you said you've listened to some of the episodes before, but we really want this to be a place where guys can be comfortable to talk about health and to understand that things happen. And it's guys like you that are courageous that can come out and speak up about your experience that might be able to make it a little easier on somebody else. So let's just dive right in. What's it like? Well, first of all, congratulations on six years. Thank you. Thank um, you thank being clean of lymphoma. That is huge. And, and uh, <laughs> so Joe recently celebrated um, his cancer free as well. So right. this is really, this brings me a lot of joy. I mean, this is so good to be here with you guys. So I, and I, I apologize. You're going to, we're going to make people cry at um, one of the stories. Um, yeah. So, for sure. Um, Apologizing in advance. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tearjerker. If I cry, I wouldn't be shocked because I'm a softie. But um, I'm sorry, Patrick. Uh, repeat the question. Oh, no, let's go ahead. Tell us a little bit about what is it like to initially receive that cancer diagnosis? Maybe right. some issues that you were having beforehand that led you to get tested and to have screenings. Um, tell us just a okay. little bit about that experience. Okay. Well, um, all right. So, if you've ever find anything out about me, I am the most complex person of all time. Uh, 2006, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, if you're not familiar with that, it's an autoimmune disease that basically eats your intestines and it's normally not curable. And then you can, you have to take heavy medicine. Thankfully it was under control, but I had to start taking a medicine called Zimzia, basically the like a sibling parent uh, medicine of Huderma and all the other crazy uh, Crohn's medicines that you, when you see the commercial may have a chance of getting lymphoma or those so high, I was one of the one in a billion person to get the cancer, unfortunately. So um, I'm going to take it back to around March, April. I felt stabbing pains in my abdomen where the Crohn's is usually flaring up. And the medicines that I would take a once a month shot of Simzia on both sides of my stomach and then the other maintenance medicine. So I just felt the stabbing in my stomach and I'm like, something isn't right. So we, we go the MRI route, we do everything. And then I started getting fevers, like as if I was running a marathon and it was just me sitting in the subway and I'm literally drenching. I'm sorry, I'm going to make a lot of sports analogies and uh, New York specifically but if you wa ever watched the Knicks in the 90s growing up 
um, Patrick Ewing, just like quickly running up and down the court, he's profusely drenched in sweat. So like I was just chilling at my desk or chilling at home. And I literally looked like I was working out on a marathon and obviously something wasn't right. Um, a couple time trips to the hospital, they just thought it was my Crohn's, nothing serious. And it took to the second appoint, uh, stint in the hospital. I, uh, my doctor, my gastro doctor wanted to have an emergency colonoscopy. So we're like, all right, obviously we got to do what we got to do. This is getting crazy. I'm still having the stabbing pains in my stomach. Um, the colonoscopy, they send me home from the hospital. Then my doctor calls me. I, the actual doctor calls me. So you never, that's never a good sign. So he goes, listen, I need you, your mom. And at the time, my fiance, and now my wife, Nicole, uh, I would like to schedule an appointment with you. And this doctor, Joe has actually recommended Joe to him a few times. I don't know if he actually went to him, but this doctor is a very popular doctor on Long Island. And it takes months for you to get an appointment with him unless you're in the inn with like, unfortunately I am with him. So, um, so wrapping up to your story of finding out you have cancer, like, obviously I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Obviously like it rocks your world. It, it really rocks your world. Seeing your, your mom and your, your fiance and just crying and screaming, Oh, this sucks. And you're like, all right, I got to put on a, the strong front, obviously, like you're like, how am I going to process this? We don't know what kind of um, cancer it is. It might not be cancer. It might not be cancer. So he recommended getting a PET scan. Unfortunately, the first test of PET scans wasn't good enough. So um, we went to Memorial Sloan Kettering and the doctor um, looked at the PET scan uh, reports and he saw a mask on my rib. I had no idea I cracked my rib. I would have like, like I, I was completely shocked. So he, they took out the mask, mask, I'm sorry. And, um, they still didn't figure out what, um, lymph, uh, uh, cancer or what like style of cancer he's at. So I'm still profusely sweating. I'm, I haven't figured out a diagnosis yet. I, uh, I don't know what doc oncologist I'm was going to go see or anything like that. I just kept on sweating, getting the fevers, getting the chills, and um, we called Sloan, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering in the city. I'd like, just come and just figure it out. Um, unfortunately, I was having the stomach issues so that I had uncontrollable bowel. I had the fever. Like, I, I literally felt like death. Um, everything was a blur to me. And then we uh, met my oncologist, Dr. Uh, Ariel Noy, who uh, basically saved my life. And she goes... Do you trust us? We're going to do what we got to do. It's going to suck. But in six months, we're going to get you married because me and my wife were scheduled to get married this no uh, November. And my wife was like, should we cancel a wedding? What should we do? Like, and she goes, if you trust me, we're going to get him down that aisle. And yeah, so I'm sorry, it's like bouncing around, but no, you're good, everything's you're good. coming together at once. It's just like, just like the what the hell, man? Like this, like really sucks. Like the whole, I have the whole world by by the balls, basically, and and it and it really rocks your world. It's just like, all right, um, I'm a very competitive guy. I played a lot of sports, and I'm like, I'm like like to be known as a, more of a tough guy when I'm doing those things, and very prideful, as Joe knows. I, 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 I felt like I had to hide that and that probably wasn't healthy. And to this day, I like, don't really like to talk about it. Um, I do talk about it with my other friend, um, Nikki and he, until the last couple of years when I became friends with him, that's really when I really only got to talk to him about it. And I, I wish I could, I should have talked to Joe more about it. And that's one of my biggest uh, regrets with that. But yeah, like, I'm sure Joe can attest, like, finding out, like, yeah, wow, I, I have cancer. And it's just, yeah, you, you never want to be in that conversation, for sure.
Wow. So that's, that's a very powerful experience. I can only imagine right. what, yeah. what, I mean, that just like listening to you, I could tell in your voice, it's just like getting hit I, like a ton of bricks doesn't do it justice. Like you have like just truck right. back. Right. It's, I mean, it's legit a Mack truck. It, it, it is a Mack <laughs> truck. I was trying to like, just try to be as clean and uh, good for the, the sake of the podcast and making it flow. But yeah, you can, you can all imagine listening and watching. I don't know if you're on YouTube or not, but it, like you can't imagine just like until you feel that experience, you, you really don't know what it really feels like. And I hate trying to tell that to people. Cause like, like when people like were trying to like console me and everything like that, like I appreciated it. But it was just like, all right, like I, I got to do what I got to do, kind of thing. Right to a certain degree. I mean, your life continues. You're getting ready to get married. Right. I'm sure. You know. I'm. You know. I'm sure you had work and you you had other things like you have obligations right. to your family that they can. I don't. You know. I I wouldn't even know how to begin to describe like how you have to manage. Because life is hard as an, as life right. is hard enough as it is, and so now you're given this bombshell. You know what are some of the things that you did to kind of manage your life in that immediate? You know, in the first few weeks after finding out, I think that's something that really gets glossed over when people talk about a cancer diagnosis mm. or life. Right. Um, thankfully for my mom, my mom and wife. Uh, I'm sorry, Nicole, that I mentioned my mom first, but. Um, my, my, my wife and my mom really took over my life. Um, they were like my secretaries. They were my everything because my case, the second I was in Memorial Sloan Kettering and I met my doctor in the MSK emergency room, they started the extreme first set of chemo. So I was, I had to start right away and battling. There wasn't, oh, okay, I have to say, hey, work, I'm not going to be in for the next six months because I'm going to be going through 24-hour-a-day chemotherapy just for me to get back in six months or seven months or or something along those lines. So that part of the working and everything, yeah, my, my wife, thankfully, my boss was very super supportive, and they were like, all right, we'll get you to FMLA, we'll do this, and we'll, we'll get you. And whenever you get the time, right. And you're ready to come back, come back. Thankfully, I still have my job. It's, I actually celebrated my nine year anniversary on November 4th when you listen to this. So congratulations to me for that. But yeah, like it, it really, thankfully with my mom and and my wife, really, they, they took care of all the other stuff around me. So I was able to battle and just focus on what I had to focus and there were the good days and the bad days and just really focus on that. And I'm, I'm really lucky to have them in my life and, uh, and, and a good supporting cast with that. Cause ultimately that's what really pushed me over the goal line. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that as well. Yeah. That sounds like the, your family really stepped up and, and did right. a lot and, and it's a lot of people don't have that, you know, right. Uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, and so I'm happy to hear that you, you did have that. So I kind of want to shift over a little bit and talk about, you know, what did you use to kind of support yourself? Did um, Sloan Kettering or any other institutes offer you some kind of mental health service? Um, like what, what resources were provided to you? What resources maybe did you have to seek out? Um, is there anything um, that you would do over again? Uh, yeah. Um, my doctor actually reached out to another patient. And unfortunately, I was thick-headed and I should have taken better approach to it. I think I was more of the, all right, I got to get this done. I, I, I really don't really want to talk to anybody right now. Um, I definitely regret that. Um, Sloan Kettering also had a like a young adults um uh support group um i i went to a couple meetings on the call and zoom and looking back on it i felt that i my cancer my treatment was only 
once a month and these people are battling every day and like I should have really used it more to my power and met people and networked more and I think me being stubborn and not listening to my mind and just like like doing the things that make me feel better of like watching sports it was during baseball season it was during the whole summer and that's really what got me through the days of watching watching baseball the Mets every night I'm a big Mets fan so I would watch the Mets and Yankees every night or I would watch Netflix or like like event like superhero movies and I heard one of your podcasts uh, Patrick that you love wrestling loved lust I, love <laughs> I don't even um, know yeah so I would watch um wrestling clips I would watch WWE network I uh very big wrestling fan growing up and or I would watch YouTube clips of just promos of like my favorite wrestlers and just get that like all right I can do it I'm a fighter type quote unquote like those guys are about to fight you know what I mean like I would have I would watch continuous rock clips I would watch it was the era and him coming from living in the area I would watch endless clips of Enzo Amore from uh from WWE and like Chris Jericho and I'm going to go on with my list, but you get the drift. Like I would just get myself so psyched up, uh, watch sports. I would, I would set goals for myself. Um, I was able to do everything but one. So um, me and Joe got to go to Mike Piazza night that I, I scratch and clawed to get to that night. I didn't, get to stay the whole game but i was there for the ceremony and it, it really meant the world i like remember breaking down and just crying because i didn't know joe had his particular cancer yet i don't know like my my life of outside just me fighting was a complete utter blur so i could have probably been a better friend to joe at times not knowing like what was really going on in in, in his personal health um but I just remember just breaking down crying because I saw Mike Piazza's jersey retirement and just like my whole life like rushed in front of my eyes of like, wow, I made it. Like I'm I'm here. Um, so that was one of the more surreal things. And there were a couple other things of like, all right, I passed the goal and I, I uh, took care of it type of thing along the battle of the six months that I had to fight for it. So I kind of want to shift gears a little bit and Mm -hmm. just kind of talk about you and Joe's relationship. Joe's become a very good friend of mine over the past couple of years. He has lucky you. I I do. I feel extremely lucky. He is super passionate about, you know, men's health, Mm -hmm. um, living healthy, eating healthy, just, you know, emotional wellness, mental wellness. And um, he's, he's really an incredible guy. So, and you're an incredible guy. So you're (laughs) saying you guys meet, kind of don't know what's going on with Joe. Joe, did you know what was going on with Dan? You know, I, I did, but not right away. Like, I know he was, okay. he, he was telling me something was going on with him. And for a while, he didn't know, you didn't know right away, right? It took no, few, I had no idea. Right. So that's right. It was like again. a three month span. Of that's not what I, I remember. And, um, you know, when I eventually did tell him, I, I remember feeling so bad and uh, don't get upset with me here when I tell the story, <laughs> hopefully Dan, but this poor man, he's, uh, he's going through hell. Listen, I watched this man go through hell. If, if people don't know what like a, a stage four lymphoma battle looks like, let me tell you, it is, it was hard to watch someone you love and your best friends go through that. It is not. Yeah. Like I lost a hundred pounds. I yeah, had no it was, hot hair. I had it no was, it was, or and he, and there was ups and downs because I mean, he didn't get to go to his own bachelor party. He had, oh, yeah. He had, he had a relapse and he, the day of no. he, he messaged us all says, please go without me. And we all felt so awkward. We were like, you can't go without him. But then we're like, you know what? No, like go for him, and, you know, in his honor. Right. So we went there and like, we, you know, it was a great, it was a great experience, you know? Um, but yeah. So eventually when I did tell him, I called him and I guess he didn't expect it and he hung up on me, but he hung up on me because <laughs> he was, he was, he broke down. He was over, he was overwhelmed. Like he had, he was going through hell. And then to hear that, I'm, he probably doesn't even remember me telling him. No, like, I, I have no, I, I have no, I, I was about to say, you have no recollection. I just remember I, you called me to talk about something and I had just found out. Um, 
I think I know for a few days, but I want to drop it on you. So, like the like backstory to Joe. Um, our friendship is a very strong friendship. It's a very brotherly friendship, and he likes to play pranks on me. <laughs> so, like, obviously, you don't want to prank. Oh, I have I have testicular cancer, but like in my mind, I'm like, all right. He's busting my balls right now. He needed a good laugh. I needed a good laugh kind of thing. So I must have hung up on him and just like, whatever. And he goes, no, man, I seriously do. And then we both broke down and the rest was history with that for sure. Wow. So I'm sure there was a lot of opportunity there to, to bond. And I, I know you kind of mentioned that you didn't really talk to Joe that much, but the camaraderie you guys must have built over battling cancer right yeah we 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 had jokes we have jokes that our sperm our sperm is right next to each other in a apartment the same bank bank. cheapest rent in new york city um (laughs) what else did we do we um well all right yeah wait hold on one second did they make you guys both give a sample yes Right. So well, like just in case, like you got prior it. prior to our um, procedures or his his I'm guessing chemotherapy and radiation for me it was right. the orthectomy. So, yeah. So with me, yeah, my was actually my mom's idea. I had to, once again, my mom was on the loop ball. Um, as you can imagine, that was the most depressing thing I've ever done. Obviously, we don't need to go into detail with that. But yeah, <laughs> no. it was not um, fun. Not fun. I think we probably told Joe as well. This is what we're doing. I'm, obviously, the doctors must have told him with his severity of what cancer he had. But we're like, this is what we did as well. I would recommend that. So, um, yeah, with that, um, I could tell you the story of what, like, what real friendship is with, with me and Joe. Um, it was my second to last um, treatment. And I would go a whole week of chemo. Uh, a whole week, 24-hour drip from Monday, uh, Monday to that Friday. And that Friday, I would go get cleaned up, a couple more chemos, and they would clean me out. Um, so the week after, I would get two shots of, of also chemo. But the third week is complete hell. I would have no immune system. I would have nothing. I would, I would pass out. I would just drop a so that was literally my hardest week of chemo. So I, I literally have no blood cells in me, like white blood cells. I have no defense. I had blood transfusions. I had plate transfusions. And I was already at Sloan. And Joe, it was the same day Joe had his surgery. Joe is all banged up, high as from being in, in <laughs> I was, surgery. I was, I was highly medicated. Yes, outpatient. <laughs> Out, and and, like, and that's was... the crazy thing. I would have never thought in a billion years uh, an outpatient for testicular cancer, especially knowing how much us men love our balls kind of thing. Like how how we're we like, all right, we're obviously attached to them, um, literally and figuratively. Yes. Yes. But he came up to visit me after literally getting his testicle removed. And it was just like, wow, man, this, this is, this is crazy. Our, our friendship's been through hell. Um, it's really a brother, brother relationship. He gets mad at me. I get mad at him. But at the end of the day, we always love each other the same way, no matter, or even bigger to that thing. Cause I know he thinks I'm not the, easiest person to get along with every now and then and we know joe joe at the times isn't the easiest person so i know joe longer than anybody in tampa bay so all right all right all right, all right. You get on without with it. going deep but but like that that that's the friendship me and joe have we bust each other's balls and and we we do tell each other everything that we need to tell and and like that was the most powerful moment between me and Joe's friendship for sure is when he came to visit me in the hospital bed after his surgery for sure. Well, I, I was so lucky to have Dan in this experience because anytime I started feeling sorry for myself, which is I think probably common amongst humans or people that have cancer diagnosis, diagnoses, but I was like, I would see him and no offense, but I would see what he was going through. I was like, God, like Joe, you're, you're lucky. Even though you're going through this, you are so lucky. So, um, 
right. Yeah, I just at least think mentally having someone to like he said he wish Dan wish he reached out to more people through the focus, you know, youth groups we've had. Yeah, I I I one hundred percent like I think was more of me guilt that I I I think that's my biggest hurdle. Like people talk about PTSD when everything, and every now and then I I do I actually probably do have some PTSD of like certain events in some six years ago of like if i walk by the hope lodge i was able to stay at the hope lodge every time i did chemo downtown mid manhattan midtown manhattan and i see people there from other states other countries they're there they're living there i just had a week stay from there and like that was my mental of like all right at least i can escape that and these people are there just battling every day and i'm like my parent, my my wife and Nicole didn't tell me I had stage four cancer. I think everybody but me knew it because they knew that I was gonna fight and scratch and claw. That they weren't gonna tell me even crazier things, and I was gonna go in a crazier tailspin or do something drastic or stupid or anything like that. So they just wanted me to focus on what I had to focus on, and like I guess everybody knew I had stage four cancer because the way people were talking to me. Like, oh my god, like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, everything, like, like, what, what Joe was saying, like, I wasn't thinking that, yeah, I was banged up, and I had to do what I had to do, and, like, when I found out I had stage four cancer, like, it was funny, Nicole didn't tell me I had stage four cancer until my last doctor's appointment last year. <laughs> I just thought I had, like, regular cancer, I was gonna beat it out, I didn't know the numbers, I didn't know nothing, and then I just had to beat it, and, like, I, I did, so... Yeah, like, like I hate when Joe talks about like watching me like going through it and saying like, "Oh yeah, like I feel bad about it." I'm like, but like I feel bad for you just as much as you feel bad for me. And I and then, and then like I was talking pre-show, like with me, it was more of like mine's a, more of an invisible cancer, like cancer compared to you. Like. I I obviously felt bad for you as just as much as you felt bad for me. I just probably didn't show it as much as like, cause my thing with you is you were able to joke about it and deflect it. So everything I thought about was more of like, all right, he's joking about it. And I should have probably like grasped into it a little bit more and actually seeing if he was all right. That's probably one my biggest downfall of, taking care of joe in that type of thing so i would always think oh he's busting his own jokes and they're making his own jokes and i'm thinking he's fine and i guess now being five years six years older now i would have been able to help him out a little bit more with that that's my thinking towards that right that's that's a very interesting perspective on it but at the same time it's so hard because you're in a battle day-to-day battling and it's just it must be so tough Uh, and like and like with joe he would always constantly joke about it and joke about it so i'm thinking he was okay with it and not knowing the struggles he was going through it so it it, it put me in a tough spot because i'm like all right he seems to be okay because every other joke it's oh look at this or like Oh, come feel this, because obviously we're guys and we, we want to feel how different it was. And we each you know, like whipped it out one day, and we're like, "Oh, okay, no, uh, oh yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't going to say what I was going to say, but, but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, just guys being dudes, and <laughs> yeah, um, so that's really what that's, it. That's a good point you make, though, as far as the the way we react. Um, you know, mentally and emotionally to something like that. You know, I, I think it was a self-defense mechanism. Right. And I, I look sure. back and I wish I didn't joke like that because it, it allowed other people to think it was okay to make jokes. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, 100%, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, no, you. I know, I'm not, yeah. I know you're not saying me, but I'm 100% guilty as it as well. And like, I think, thing. yes, we all, and did. like, and you did make Twitter handles on it. So we thought it was okay to joke about it. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I would say that. I'm guilty of it too. Like I definitely, my, anytime I'm hurting or have some issues, I definitely deflect them off into jokes. And I think that. Oh, we all do. 
Yeah, a lot of and a lot of guys. This kind of wanted to bring me back to my next point is when guys don't want to be seen as weak, and so a cancer diagnosis or being sick or right. you know, things like that, a life altering moment, um, we could come across in our minds as oh, mm-hmm. this is weakness. I'm I can't get sick and things like that. Uh, how do you feel like that? The component of diagnosis, treatment, and you, through your whole journey played and and do you do you think that now on the other end of it you're a different human and you have a little bit more awareness and understanding of your mental health and then i have um, after so go ahead no um honestly i probably should seek more help um it's definitely something i should really consider doing um because like after my after battling and everything i had a whole year feeling better and then, long story short, I had a resectioning of my my uh, small intestine, and I don't have a half of a colon. So that was just like you might as well just have the surgery now. You're not going to have the the Crohn's affected the Crohn's disease because that's where the cancer was, the lymphoma was. It was where the medicine was being taken care of and everything like that. So we, I had surgery around that the may after basically a whole full year after i started the cancer uh treatment so that i really like to think of it i had two years of roughness because obviously losing i think it was 17 inches yeah i i I, they removed 17 inches of my small intestine and part of my ilium and i have no sphincter Uh, (laughs) i know i'm a I'm a grown child giggling about sphincter still. Um, but I didn't know that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just really just like, I think of it like I had two years of battling and like, it was like the cancer part and then the finishing up the Crohn's part and like re learning how to do my body, learning how to like have a shorter intestine and, worrying about pooping where and when and like it's it's really people like to joke about it and like i think that's where my i put up my flag i i like how joe talks about his insecurities with his um his boys that's probably where my biggest insecurity is with me because unfortunately at a drop of a hat i could be shitting on myself and like there i have no unfortunately i have zero control over it so um, and like people don't realize like, Oh, why aren't you eating? Why aren't you drinking? Why aren't you doing this? Like if I do those things, I'm not going to be able to completely enjoy myself. I've, I've found ways to trick myself. I've taken medicines. I've, I've, I've done plenty of things. And thankfully for the doctors that I've had for the last six years and before that, have really helped me out. God. So, um, I went off on a little tangent. No, so that was, what was, that, that was <laughs> what was the uh, second part of the question? Oh, so the second part, I was going to say, you know, any advice. Well, so first of all, that's, I mean, that's any really advice. Don't, don't yeah. Be, any, yeah my, the, any advice uh, coming from me who was really thick headed, I think really take the serious aspect of the mental health game because I didn't take it serious, serious enough because I should have seeked the help that I wanted. And I, and I was just too thick headed. I just was so mentally focused and driven on what was going on with me physically. And I, I should have taken care of my, my mental game and everything else like that, where now looking back six years later, um, I would have been like, all right, yes, I'll be in this group. I don't care that I, I don't think my illness is lesser than Joe Smo's um, illness or Patrick's illness. I, I, we're all battling our own hells. We're, we're giving each other help. Like the meetings I was in, it was very powerful, but I was, it was actual in person, but with me, it would always be on the week I had my treatment and I was so weak that it was, they allowed me to be on call. So 
I felt that probably would have helped more as well if I was able to sit in a, like a circle and like have these people talk opposed to me just twiddling my thumbs on the phone when I could have been like, I was paying attention, but like we all know, I probably wasn't paying attention type of thing. So if you do have cancer or anything like that's what I think my mental state now is like, I don't want people to be alone. So if you have cancer uh, whatever cancer, like, come hit me up. I, I, I've talked to plenty of people about their lows and stuff like that. Like, I, I, I wish me and Joe talked more about our situations. Um, that's one of my regrets. I mentioned that a couple of times before that it was just like, all right, we're, we're good now. Like, it also, it hurts that me and Joe are so far away when we could have easily both picked up the phone or send a text of, hey, you're good. Or everything like that. I think we started really doing that a couple years ago. Or really just a couple months ago. Like every couple weeks, one of us would send a you good text. And we would automatically know what what was going on with that. And I'm really really happy for Joe. He reopened up his life. And like I'm really proud of him for that. Because he was really down a dark road. And And I thank you, Patrick, for helping him out with that for sure. And all his other friends down there, because it was tough seeing Joe going through whatever Joe was going through. And like, it's just like, dude, you, you, there's something up and you really got to seek whatever else is going on. And like, you, you, something's got to give and like, I'm glad he's found it now. I'm I'm really proud of you, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate that, Daniel. the battle that you guys must have been experiencing. I know, Dan, you look back and you say, well, yeah, I wish I could have gone to the circle or participated more. But the battle that you were going through, it was mm-hmm. probably so easy just to say, like, screw this. Right. And and not to downplay, like, what the service was provided, but you, it's like, well, I've got to go here and do this work that is going to be excruciating. And then now you have the option of going to get some help. And it's depending on the day you're having, I can only imagine. And I like, I mean, I check out when I'm right. over it. So I can only imagine the left. <laughs> right. It's like, fuck it. Like I gotta go. <laughs> <Right>. no, <laughs> That's like yeah, the only but, way I can put it. I mean, and I was on so much steroids. Like I may, I would make Jose Canseco or Mark McGuire blush. Okay. Um, that was, that was good. That was good. Not, not that kind of steroids. Right. I was wondering. Well, not, yeah, not that. Unfortunately, not those kind of steroids. But, but like, it, yeah. like the just the, the good steroids. And unfortunately, like, we joked about it, but I, I would have definitely failed a uh, PED test for sure. Um, But the amount of roids I was on and the medicine or just to make sure I was on the straight hour, like, I lashed out at my mom. I lashed out at Nicole. I lashed out at my parents. I'm sure I lashed out at Joe. It's very, at that time it was very easy to lash out at Joe. No offense, but, um, but like, thankfully the people understood of like, I would have like roid rages. Like my wife didn't like, we would make pizza cause I couldn't take out. So like if the slightest thing was wrong, unfortunately my mind and like my whole vibe of everything and like the psychology and like everything was short circuiting and I'd be like what the hell like like it would be like I would have legit road rages and I did apologize a lot when those bad days happened for sure so I kind of want to shift a little bit Dan Joe called or Joe Dan called you out a little bit and he was saying that, like, you know, you were going through a tough time. And I know we've talked a little bit about it, but what kind of services did you pursue um, to kind of make yourself a little bit more whole in a really tough situation? You know, it took me a really long time to uh, to finally reach out and, and use these services. But I did end up, you know, going to therapy. Uh, it, and it wasn't for um, specifically for, you know, cancer uh, people diagnosed with cancer, but you know, that, that came up a lot in the therapy. And also I did reach out to, I also went to Sloan Kettering for my treatment. So we're, Dan and I were in the same place. So I reached out to, um, to them and they put me in touch with like, like a young adult focus yeah. group. Yeah. 
and it might have been, I don't know, probably was different. It was based on people who had the same diagnosis as me, I think. So, you know, it was, or similar type diagnosis as me. Um, so it, it was helpful to, to be, to talk with them and just our experiences. They were all different, but all similar at the same time. It's, it's, it was very helpful to have those, uh, those, those resources. And honestly, the biggest thing was just, was t- just talking at all. I mean, cause then I went through this together and you're like, Oh, that's so helpful. You guys, you guys could talk about it together. Mm-hmm. We barely discussed it while we we're going through it. And that would be my biggest piece of advice to someone going through it is like, don't, don't do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. And uh, we, we both truthfully kind of did. And um, like he said, his, his wife and his mom were huge, uh, were huge in his overcoming it. And for me as well, like just a quick thank you to women in general. Like it's right. women are the backbone of men's health. My mom like is the whole reason I even found out I had it. Like they came to visit, right. I, you know, the story came to visit to me, go to the doctor. And I was like, Oh, I, I have this. So um, it's just basically the biggest thing is don't do it alone. Use right. the resources that are available there. And for the most parts, they're free. The therapy is not free, but um, the hospital resources were free. And right. They were so helpful. So that would be my, my biggest piece of advice is just don't, it's, and it's easier said than done. It's easier just to sit there and self-isolate and feel sorry for yourself and be angry at the world for what you're going through. But the biggest thing for me was when I finally did, this was, it wasn't right away. This was years later. Like Dan knows right. like two or three years later after I went through this treatment um, or my procedure, I reached out and then I finally started understanding why I was, why I joked about it when I went through it you know, um, why I felt sorry for myself, why I was angry. And then when you get to the root of it, it's like, okay, you understand yourself so much better. And it really does. It, it is light night and day. Um, once you, once you get to that point. So I really do hope anyone listening to this, if they ever do go through something similar, that they really take advantage of those resources. Yeah. And, um, I want to just the thing with Joe, I think I, I mean, Joe would never compare to what we do to compare to soldiers, but I think, like hearing our grandfathers or older family members who went off to war and definitely had some sort of PTSD. I think they hammered it so far down their, their system that me and Joe just had that mutual like understanding of like, all right, we're not going to talk about it. Um, We probably should really talk about it for the health of our both mental and healthy psyches, but we're just going to keep it down on us. And yeah, you're good. Yeah, I'm good. You good? Yeah, we're good. And we both should have peppered each other a little bit harder on making sure we were actually good. I have just like, all right, are you sure you're all right? Oh, yeah, I'm good. And then it was like, all right, cool. All right, well, I'm going to miss you while you're in, down in Tampa. And uh, I'll see you when I see you kind of thing. Um, I think... Um, Maybe if Joe was back up here, um, obviously him down there helps a lot more with his mental psyche of everything else like that. And I don't blame him, but I think maybe that would have helped a little bit more on both of our cases of like, all right, we're actually seeing each other and we could hide behind the phone or we could be like, yeah, I'm good. You're good. And like, I'm sure if we saw in person what we were lying to each other, through the phone, I think that probably would have helped us as well. I'm just being honest with that as well. Well, what I'm hearing is, I, Dan, I actually just got back from New York um, what, late Tuesday, early Wednesday, early Wednesday mm-hmm. morning. And so what I'm hearing is that I think we need to have a Men's Health Unscripted New York we do. trip, <laughs> maybe. I think we do. I think that's Definitely. I think. No, honestly, um, yeah, I'm sure you probably, yeah. It, um, I think our Joe and I's background, um, it's not an excuse. Um, it's a very Irish, Italian, very Catholic upbringing. And it, it's far from perfect. We both know we're not going to go in the ideological, theological um, advances of it. We, uh, <laughs> where, where are you but, going here? <laughs> I'm not going, <laughs> you made me nervous. <laughs> Uh, but like I think our like growing up in a certain way of like we not I um I don't want to say idolize like tough guys and uh, like the people we grow grew up with were like oh never show weakness oh you can't show pain you can't do this and blah 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 are you hurt oh tough it up like because I played football so God knows oh this so and so is a p word or like this guy is strong he's 
he has a three broken bones and he's still playing. Uh, he's still playing and he's still killing it type of thing. And like, I think that ultra macho stigma at times. And I, I'm, I'm hoping it's getting better. It seems like it for the better. And it's just one of those, like, that's not healthy for anybody. Uh, and like, I'm proud of my dad. My dad's actually going through therapy as well. And it's like, like he, like, like that, that's like where we all got it from. Like, Oh, I'm sure you had it with your parents too. And your, your father, I don't know your background, Patrick, but I think with me and Joe's similar backgrounds with that and just everything, keeping it down and just telling everybody that you're okay when you're really not okay. It, that's something that should get better. And, I am guilty. I am a number one guilt with that. And, and I hope to do better with that. I, I know that's one of my biggest flaws. Just because I don't want anybody really worrying about me. <laughs> In actuality, actuality that, that people are worrying about me even more now kind of thing. And I, I th- I've learned that lesson with that, so to speak. Yeah, so kind of very similar. My grandfather... Uh, Spanish family of immigrants, like, you know, I think I'm third or fourth generation here, but fought in World War II, very much so same mentality. So I completely get it. Like, it was just like, suck it up, buddy. Um, You know, he he was a good father figure. I, no complaints. He was amazing. Right. That's just the culture that they grew up in. And I think that what we're talking about is a lot of what we've been built men's health around is that you don't have to be the machismo dude all the time. Like there's a time that's fine, but be, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to feel human. You don't have to have the world on your shoulders all the time because it's just really not a realistic expectation. And I think that's in general, the reason why men's health isn't where it is in the world. I mean, not discounting women, but Women's health is pushed to the moon all the time <laughs> right? and, and it should be, but men's health should also be there because, right. but I think the way guys are is what holds it back. Like, you know, I think Joe will agree with me here and Dan, I'm, I know you've seen us on, on social media. Sometimes we do some really silly shit. And right. when we talk about like, oh, this will increase your testosterone, this will increase your libido, our views and likes and all this stuff goes up. When we talk about testicular cancer, prostate cancer, it's like it dies. And and I think, you know, I don't want to blame the algorithm, but I'd more so see like guys would see that and they'll be like, well, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to talk about that. Skip next. And instead of being the moment to be like, maybe I should be a little bit more aware of my health and what could happen. What screenings do I need to get to be preventative? So I think that's what you're talking about is very much so men's health, men's mental health. Right. And like, and this is where I bring back wrestling. Um, Patrick, Joe always made fun of me about wrestling. His loss, not mine. He makes fun of me too. It's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, like with well, with your mullet, I can't not think about Razor Ramon and like, <laughs> just being always dripping of cool and just like I always have the gif and like one of his WrestleMania is when he wrestled HBK when he like like went under the ladder, obviously going under a ladder is bad luck. And he Mm -hmm. did his like theme thing. Like that's what I always in picture or like, yeah. Triple H like coming down or HBK. Like, like I I, like always envision like wrestling of like that sort of like, like, all right. Like you, I don't, you don't obviously don't look I'm 35. I'm not looking up to any wrestler anymore, obviously, but Growing up, you're like these guys are larger than life. They're they have any girl they they can get any now they get any girl they 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 have the smarts like The Rock or Stone Cold. They're they're like larger than life and like I think that's where my mental state of like thinking. Obviously, it's fake. It's like whatever. But those characters you like want to envision yourself being growing up even though you know it's a fake but or or pre-planned i like to say but like i think wrestling does play a big role in my life as well 
and as much Joe likes to make fun of it, it is really one of those things like people do make fun of it. Oh, you like wrestling still? Yeah, I like wrestling. It's a storyline. It gets your mind away from life right now. And it's like they're kind of telling real life stories, but they're not. And you could just escape for those whatever amount of hours when you're watching a pay-per-view or going through watching older stuff. So like, I, I don't, I went off on a wrestling tangent for no reason, but you did, I, you did, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that's what this, that's what this is for. And it doesn't happen enough on this podcast. <laughs> well, if you ever want to talk wrestling, I, I am your guy. Um, oh, that but, sounds, that sounds awesome. Right. I've shown Joe some stuff on, uh, we're, we're watching an AEW pay-per-view. I, Not that I, long ago. And I, I showed Joe some stuff. He and he's like, you know what? This is a really great, like, three minutes of professional wrestling. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it has its place. Lucky I, you. He would, he would make fun of me profusely. But I, it's okay. I, I think evolved. Joe heard it from the other room. He heard it from the other room. And he's like, are they saying what I think they're saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. So he, he watched a few minutes of it. And he's like, that is wild and hilarious. And, and I was like, all right, cool. I got Joe to be... <laughs> Interesting. I, th- I, th- I think with me with professional wrestling um it was very big in my family so that would be like we would sit around watch monday night raw or smackdown and i would have my other cousins big onto it and we would just like how wrestling helped me out during the cancer really helped me out a lot as well and I, that's probably why i got back into really watching it again because it, it got my mind off of things and like I was able to like envision myself through the eyes of the actual wrestler. Like I mentioned before, I watched Enzo More's promos like eight hundred times before any big treatment or anything else like that. I would watch rock clips and like I think you gotta find what helps you. Like between baseball and that and then football season started around towards the end of it. Like sports really helped me get my mind away from the three hours of the night. And it didn't matter if my team won or lost. I was chilling because that was me, not thinking about cancer or I have a tube in me or anything else like that. So, yeah, I think, I think an opportunity like that just to make you feel human and normal again, is just probably priceless. Joe mentioned it before, like my bachelor party was the only night I didn't get to accomplish my goal. Every month, every treatment, I set out a goal like, all right, one month I was just going to go to the movies. That was the simplest thing, right? Right? You would think, all right, go see, um, I, um, it was uh, Captain America Civil War. That, that was my goal. I'm going to see that movie, Hell or High Water. I'm going to go to the theater and see it. That was one goal. Joe came up from Tampa. I don't know if Joe knew yet, but when we went to the Piazza game, that was another thing. I like kept doing goals and being able to push it. Unfortunately, my FAFSA party the morning of is when I relapsed and unfortunately didn't get to go to my own bachelor party. So I would get FaceTimes from everybody at the bachelor party. I was watching the game in a hospital bed, excuse me, while everybody was eating their Shake Shack and having fun. I'm sure it was a terrible, like, oh, yeah, Dan's in a hospital bed right now. But, like, the amount of work my uncle and my brother did for the event, I I said, please go for, for my brother and everybody's sake. And just, like, I know it sucks, but everybody that came to visit, mostly everybody came to visit me at uh, at the hospital before going to the game. And that did mean the world to me while I was just chilling in a hospital bed. And that really, like, set goals for yourself um uh, that would be that and be able to find something that makes you escape would be my two suggestions always ask for help and literally find that friend or hell you could either dm me text me or whatever i will listen to you complain about x y and z man i'd rather you talk to me than finding out like you're having a very great big depression or like dare i say god forbid suicidal thoughts i'd rather you come talk to me about it and like well we don't even have to talk about anything about anything i could just bs about you like 
oh, the sky is blue. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, we could even talk about literally anything. I'd rather you talk to me about that than try to escape those awful thoughts. And I, and I know they're awful thoughts because I've probably been there. I've never been to the point of suicidal thoughts, but I've definitely been depressed thoughts of like, all right, this sucks type of thing. But thankfully, I've never had suicidal thoughts like other people have. I'm very fortunate to never, ever experience that. I'm very lucky with that. Well, Dan, that's very kind of you. And, you know, as always, we invite people that listen to right. the podcast as well. Operations at menshealthunscripted.com. DM the social medias. We're you know, generally on there a couple times a day. So right. no one no one has to feel isolated. So thank you, Dan, for I'll include your socials in, right. email, in the in the bio. Um, but no one in this community, you know, our celery gang community, as we as Joe and I like to call it, um, no one needs to feel alone. And right. That, and I think that no matter what somebody's going through, an outlet or a place just to, you know, we've got posts uh, on Instagram, I think, I think Instagram and Twitter. Um, mental health services, things like that. So we're trying to, you know, really pump out the services so people in our community don't feel alone or, or feel like they have to go through for sure the event alone. No, yeah, I I don't know if we're wrapping up, but I, I do appreciate you letting me to come on, Patrick, and thanks, Joe, for meeting, letting me meet Patrick and following your stuff on Instagram, like. I'm definitely one of those, like, some days I'm like, all right, this is what they're doing is really great. And, like, all right, I'm not in the mood to do it. I'm that stereotypical guy when it comes to that stuff. But what you guys are doing is very important. And I wish I had something like this six years ago. I think having the, the way you guys are starting that community, like, I would, I would, I'm very jealous that you guys are in Tampa. And like, I could like find a group of something along those lines as well would be really cool as well. Uh, but you guys are doing really cool jobs and like keep up the tough work and like, and there's no, uh, and I appreciate the honesty and everything like, like being in an open book and everything. And like, it's, it's deep, deep stuff. So keep up the good work and thank you for having me on. I really it was like a like a nice therapy session is the way of like looking at it for sure. Well, we definitely appreciate you, Dan. Um, you know what what you're doing just by coming on the podcast and being vulnerable, opening up can really be life changing for someone right. who's looking for that outlet or just some knowledge. Like right. I couldn't imagine somebody that gets diagnosed and they have to go through it with you know, limited family or friends. Right. No, I'm very lucky. To do. I'm very fortunate. So, but I do want to ask you, I got five questions for you. Five questions. All right. I know, I know you got the S and D podcast, so I'm going to make it about as New York and sports as I possibly can. All right. Sorry, Joe. Question number one, Yankees or Mets? Mets, unfortunately. I like, I mean, I I probably should have guessed that by your shirt, but. No, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Unfortunately (laughs) Mets, but that's funny story. That's how me and Joe met. So I guess thank God for the Mets kind of way, but we, we could save that for another day, but the Mets are the reason why me and Joe. Are yes. Yes. To this. All right. So question number two, I think I know the answer to this giants or jets. <laughs> uh, giants, as you see in the background, I have giant season <laughs> tickets. I am, uh, the, like I, I joke, um, it's breathing, uh, family, friends, and New York football giants. And I, and I, I know um, it's a very unhealthy relationship with the giants, but it's my one thing of like that, like toxic, toxic, <laughs> very, very, very toxic. toxic. It is very toxic. And I, I, I hate to admit it, but it's my only thing of like, like people like to drink, people like to do drugs. People like to have sex. People like to eat. The football and the Giants are my unhealthy escape. <laughs> and and I, I thank God, thank God my wife is hooked up with it because it's very unhealthy, but it is my one thing. Yes. So. All right. Question three Nets or Knicks? Oh, come on. Knicks. I, like the Nets are. Is, is really... anyone a Nets fan? <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, uh, Knicks all the way. Braun and Brad, Knicks fan. Four. 
All right. Favorite uh, overall sports stadium that you've had the opportunity to visit? That's a tough one. Um, not including New York. Anywhere you want, but maybe say New York and then somewhere else if, if you All have right. experience. All right. Obviously, Madison Square Garden for both Knicks and Ranger games. It's like nothing beats the Garden, James. Um, Joe could uh, attest to that. Um, as for out of town, um, I'll be homey with you guys. Uh, I did go to the Giants-Buccaneers uh, game in 2019. The Giants thankfully won. But being at Raymond James, it was cool with the pirate ship. Uh, I, I had a blast that that day as well. Um, I guess I would have to go Fenway Park. I did go to one uh, Boston. Uh, I did go to one Red Sox game a couple years back, and it was pretty fun. I would go back. I, they were playing the Mets that day, so I didn't really get to like go around it and like see the see around it. But I think the experience of being in Fenway Park was something up there for sure. Okay. Um, man, that's a that's that field probably has to have a lot of magic. I'm not a Red Sox fan at all. Right. I'm going to go to Fenway just right. because Teddy ball game played there and there's been a right. lot of dates that have come through. So right. last question, I altered it a little bit because I found out we have a mutual connection. Favorite right. wrestler of all time. Favorite wrestler of all time. Jeez. All right. I could spend hours having this conversation. Patrick, feel free to ever talk wrestling with me. We'll, I will. We'll I would, I would love to do a podcast with you on, on wrestling. Um, all right, so this is a tough one. Uh, I'm going with The Rock. I was always a big rock. See, I'm having HBK. Hey, uh, I'm switching it up. HBK. All right. Well, I love that. I love um, Shawn just Michaels. From the days of young, of me watching it, he was the first guy that I was able to gravitate because of his charisma and his athleticism and just like. His theme song, if you know HBK, mm -hmm. that theme song, it's really funny that now he's a born-again Christian. It's really funny. It does crack me up. But, like, HBK, I would have to say, like, when I think of wrestling, that was my childhood memories. Then it obviously became Stone Cold and The Rock and Triple H and all those other people. But if I had to say right away, gun to my head, I would say HBK. That's, I mean, that's a great pick. There's, it's like him and Ric Flair, like 1A, 1B. Right. Like, you right. know, the greatest wrestlers of all time discretion. And I was going to say, you talking about listening to wrestling promos before treatment or before something difficult resonated oh, yeah. so yeah. hard because I, <laughs> Joe knows I'm a freak. <laughs> like, yes. I will listen to Ric Flair promos. Oh, I, he's yeah. the Jeff Lyon, you know what I mean? You know, I don't know. Yeah, need... no, uh, YouTube, yeah. And then, <laughs> It's bad. Spotify has WWE entrance music playlists. And yeah. if you look at my thing, Joe has made fun of me before. Like, those songs still amp me up. I'm sure they do with you as well. But, like, yeah. Between WWE intros and, and promos, I did watch a lot of them. Especially during... I still do. Only the big ones. I don't go down rabbit holes because I, I don't have the time I did when I was battling cancer. But... I definitely that got me through a lot of days of like those crazy like heart pumping promos and like the funny even the funny ones like um like Enzo and uh, Big Cass back in the day obviously them being from New York and New Jersey that whole tough New Yorker New Jersey and vibe is what I took into it and them saying soft and everything like that and Enzo on the mic like basically battle rapping i i unfortunately funny story with enzo my uh friend like i mentioned i have season tickets uh, for the giants last year enzo came to his tailgate i literally left five minutes before he left got there oh, i was like wow. dude how did you tell me that enzo wasn't there like he's like yeah it is what it is enzo was there i'm like but you don't understand like i would watch his clips literally like I would have probably talked his ear off because of how much he meant to me during that. So like he goes, well, yeah, I understand, but maybe next time if he ever comes by again, I was like, all right, cool. Unfortunately he hasn't, but yeah, for sure. Wrestling. I'm, I'm going to tag Enzo in this. I don't know him personally, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Get sure. something worked out. Cause for, for you to say, and he's, he's great on the mic. He was so funny and like right. so good. He had a way of, of just getting me amped and up. 
and I think I could relate because where he's from, he's Irish and Italian like me. His whole persona was obviously being a, the aggressive, uh, loudmouth Italian. So, like, that was pretty much the role in my head that I had to envision of, like, being that tough guy Italian guy. So, yeah, for sure. Right. Well, our Dan, our buddy Dan is kick-ass, and you can't teach that. Yeah, there you go. There you <laughs> so. go, yeah. If you, if you guys know wrestling, you know where that's from, but right. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your story and we will be in touch. I'll reach for out sure. to you on, on social or I'll get Joe to get a hold of you or something. And we right. will do a wrestling podcast. I would love to do it. Dude, we, we could have a three hour podcast and it would be the best podcast. It, it probably would be, <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Thank you, Joe, for setting this up. Dan, I feel like I have a new friend. Likewise. So, Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Love you, guys. Love you, guys.